Mo, mm -hmm. as you progress through life, kids are growing, career is growing. As that's moving along, Mo, how are you able to compartmentalize or should I say squelch all that stuff that you dealt with from the past and everything? How were you able to put that in the closet and keep that away and still live this suburbia life? Oh, because I, I, I believed that you can just get over it. <laughs> so I was used to stuffing things down. You, you, you get over it. You keep moving forward. What doesn't kill you only makes you stronger and you just, you just keep moving. So I had that keep moving forward mentality. Again, I'm fighting against demons that are not real. What, do, what am I talking about? Remember, I had heard I wasn't going to be anything. I was going to be in jail. I was going to be a bum. I had heard all this. So I was still fighting. I built a 4,000 4, plus square foot home, five bedrooms, five bathrooms, an acre and a half in the backyard. And it still wasn't enough because I was fighting demons. I got to get more. I'm going to do more and I'm going to do more because I'm going to show you and you and you and you and you. I was still wrestling with that, but not understanding that I was wrestling with that. Mm. Right. So I could not, I wasn't content with what I had. I had to keep going for more because I was wrestling with that. So it was as if I thought I wasn't dealing with it, but oh, I was dealing with it. And I want to say this because when we started this off, and I think this is an important part of anyone's story because a lot of times we listen and we get sound bites from things but I want to make it very clear the reason the the reason why I knew about home ownership at 25 was because of my parents and my grandparents although there were some things that transpired I want to make it very very clear that now as a 47 year old woman I can look back and say I can see where it was a mind of a 13 and a 15 year old versus versus what was really happening. Cause I think that that's, that's an important part of the story because I didn't get to the part of the home ownership to know to build without the foundation yeah. is a foundation still was laid. That's My grandparents owned their own home. My grandfather um, was a brick masoner. So I learned about this from them. I had great example. Well, as, as you continue to grow, and as you said, it was the inner demons drove you to, mm -hmm. I got to get more, get more of this, more of that. Let me prove and prove and prove and prove. Were there moments that it leaked from here in the mind and it leaked out onto the family or onto other people? Oh, absolutely. I First of all, I didn't know what it meant to be somebody's wife. So I, when I jumped into marriage, um, I had a level of expectation of my own. See, I was fighting those demons and he didn't know about those demons. So I put a level of expectation and almost harshness on him that he could not possibly fulfill because he didn't, those weren't his demons. My ex-husband was content. We built this big old house. We have house parties, people come over. We have great members. You can leave your door unlocked. What more could you want? But he didn't know I was wrestling with those demons. So it caused a lot of angst between him and I. Now don't get this twisted. Let me just say this. It takes two for marriage to come together and to fall apart. What I'm doing right now is owning my side. I will not talk about his side. That's for him. I will say, I'm just going to own mine. Yes. And so I was pushing, 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 um, because of course the more, but I also was working, working, working for more, right? I was becoming, I was becoming the person that I was kind of like, you know, always saw myself as, which was career oriented, you know, just climbing the corporate ladder, 
that was who I, I was like, I'm going for it all because I'm going to prove everybody wrong. But it was it cost me even time with my children. Mm. So I was always kind of busy working. If I wasn't working, I fell in love with with the gym. So I started, you know, working on on my body. I wasn't giving them the love that I felt that they deserved at that time. Now, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I'm very hard on myself. Even with that being said, there, I always I, I had to apologize to my children, I, and I thought that was very important for things that things that I just wasn't aware of about how I was. I was very hard. They used to call me the warrior, but it was six kids, so it, to me, I was like, I, we have to be on time. It was this example that I thought that I was setting. Like I wanted to be their role model, so that meant you know always on time. You are never late. You show up for work. You work your tail off. You know you get good grades. I was pushing, 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 not knowing why I was pushing like that, and it was because I hadn't really dealt with myself. Mm. So it caused a lot of angst with us. It was so interesting that. That time in my life, though, you couldn't have told me that I was wrong. Mm. I always thought to be right. And I was going to be right. And then it all came to a head. When did that come to a head that Mo finally understood she's not always right? Things was not always going to go her way. My, my oldest son, and excuse me for the pause. Um, so our oldest son, and this was in 2010, our oldest son was murdered in our hometown. And this is not the first son that, the first child we would lose. I was pregnant by my husband in 98 and I gave birth to my son early. I was almost six months pregnant and he took one breath and passed away. So we had already experienced loss. And then you throw this, this was the, this was something that, although first time it was painful, he was 25 years old, right? He had just had a a daughter. Um, She wasn't even a year yet. That rocked our world. My oldest son was the glue. He was the best big brother to his sisters and his brother. He was the glue. Now he got on our nerve, he wore us out. So anybody that know me listen to us, yes, I was a tough love mom. So yeah, I would I would tell his behind off. And then after that, he'd be like, you know, I love you, right? That's my personality, that was my way. But it, this that rocked our world to have him taken from us. And in the same week that he was murdered, we found out that his father also had cancer. So we got hit with a double whammy in the same week of finding that out. Oh, wow. Well, getting those two news, particularly the big, I wouldn't say which one is more than the other because it's still life. But Mm -hmm. to hear, to get word, get the call, your son has passed from violence on the streets. Mm-hmm. Mo, you're you're in this hospital. You're mm-hmm. seeing him or you're trying to. And they give you word that he's passed. And as a mom, you're sitting there and you get word that your firstborn is gone. Mm-hmm. Put me where you are with your mind at that moment. I didn't believe it. His girlfriend called us screaming in the phone. 
And when we got to the hospital, we were sitting in the waiting room. I will never forget the waiting room because it was so many kids in there. And this one boy had blood all in the front of his jeans. And I just was like, in my mind, I had a firm foundation and belief in God. In my mind, he's a, we're fighters, right? This is why the fight was so important in the beginning when I told you like I always fought because it made me a fighter, not with my hands, but in my spirit. So I was like, he a fighter, like he's going to get through this. And I remember sitting in that waiting room while they were working, at the time we didn't know what, they called us into the room, the nurse did the first time. And we were like, what's going on? And she was like, well, they're still in the back working on him. And I'm like, working on him, working on him. What do you mean working on him? Like, and I said to her, you got to let my husband back there. He needs to see his father. He has to know that his father is here. Don't ask me why I felt that, but I felt that. And I was like, he because they were so close. They were extremely, extremely close. Like we lived in Pennsylvania. He would go see his son before, because he stayed in Jersey before he would come home on the road. They were close, close. And I'm like, he needed, and she was like, well, we can't let you back there right now. We'll let you know. And I said, well, where was he shot? And when she, she said in his chest. And when she said it for a second, I wavered, but then it was like, no, like in the inside, I'm like, no, he's strong. He's going to pull through. And so we went back to the waiting room and all these people were showing up and it was just, a, it was a lot going on. But in my mind, you couldn't have told me that they were going to say that he passed. I never thought that for a second in the waiting room. So when they called us back in to the room, the nurse did, now you have three police officers in the room with us. So me, his father and his girlfriend, we let her come in. Cause in my mind, they were not gonna say that he died. So she, I'm like, she can come in a room. It doesn't matter, right? They are just gonna tell us that they're still working on him or whatever. And I was like, you know, how is he, you know, what's going on? I was like, so I, when the officers were there, I said to them, are you here to tell us who shot my son? Cause that's what I was thinking. Cause why would three officers be in the room with us? Right. I'm thinking he's gonna tell us something. And when the officer didn't answer me, the nurse looked at me and said, he didn't make it. And his girlfriend let out a scream that I, when it gets quiet, I can still hear in my ear. And she ran out the door and me and his father was there. And I remember going to my knees because I couldn't believe it. But then I said, well, take me to go see him. So they walked us down this long, if it sounds like a, if it sounds like a movie, this is exactly what it felt like. The hospital, it was late. So if it was long, just long, dark hallway, they walk us down and they take us into this room and they had a sheet kind of like, you know, she covered him up to like to where his neck is and he was swollen. And I was like, why is he so swollen? Like in my mind, now I go into mom mode, like, why is my son swollen? And I walk over to the chair and I sit down and I grab his hand. His hand was really, really um, fat at the time. And I remember looking at his nails and I'm like, why is your nails dirty? Like just craziness, right? But because I was always a mom that kept them neat and stuff like that, I'm looking at his nails. I don't know what I was grasping for in the moment, but I just couldn't believe it. But then I, I'm telling you, I was looking at his hand. I never really looked up at the sheet. I was looking at his hand. And when I looked up, they couldn't really, the sheet was over him, but they couldn't cover the hole. And I looked at it and I said, that hole is the same hole we all still have to this day. Mm. We all still have that hole to this day. That boy, we, he was our glue. He was our glue. He, that changed the trajectory of our lives forever. And I, I love him so much and I, I'm thankful 
because he taught me what unconditional love was because you got to remember he wasn't my biological son but he trusted me more as a mother and um he changed my life he made me a better person mo as you as you go forward mm -hmm. of course funeral burial mo when when that was all over when did it hit you like damn he's not here like he's not here here not like he's oh we're gonna see him later tonight but he's mm -hmm. not he ain't here when did that hit you watching my kids go through withdrawal i watch each one of my kids take a different turn in a different direction in grief and it was like you knew the glue was missing he was super super close with his sister alexis they were like thickest thieves right because she was when she was born he basically had her and so they were very you watch i watched her change completely um to going from you know she used to like wear her hair and you know her clothes and then she went completely to wanting to wear black just changed completely who she was as a person i watched her do a lot of some of the things that he used to do because he was very autistic he would draw and she got into some of that too but she completely changed my daughter kamora who was the cheerleader who i that's my that's my baby she got really quiet very very quiet just very, wouldn't talk my oldest son antoine he also went to a very rebellious route. Ashley, who was the one underneath him, she was the oldest girl. She went to New York and she stayed into New York. It She just couldn't bring herself to come visit because he was not here and what that was going to do to her. And then you had the baby boy, which was my cam, started having panic attacks. Um, in the back of the car, he would just start saying, my brother can't breathe, my brother can't breathe. And mm he would have panic attacks. And so it was all of those things that were happening around me that was the reminder of the glue. And then my ex-husband at the time, he went to a complete depression, complete wow. depression, complete. So he's cancer. We got, he has to have surgery. He has to have chemo. He has to have radiation. His son is gone. He's completely depressed. The kids are all doing what they're doing. And what I did was I got into action. It wasn't about me. I didn't have time to deal with my feelings and my emotions. When people called the house, they never asked how I was feeling because they always felt like I was the one that was going to get it done. So it didn't matter. What mattered was I need to get him through chemo and radiation. I need to keep the kids normal. I need to get them in grief counseling. I need to make sure he has some sort of counseling and I just got to keep moving. And I want to be very clear. I was doing a lot of movement, but I was doing some things that that wasn't right either okay I wasn't all the way innocent in in a lot of, in some of the stuff that was happening in my life so in other words I sought out comfort elsewhere it was a lot of moving pieces and a lot of moving parts and so compound that with a with a woman who didn't really love herself still was out to prove um, who she was to everybody didn't really know herself still had that anger in resentment in her, right? So it was, it was just, it was a, it was a beautiful piece of mess. That's the only way I can describe it. But I kept the balls rolling. I kept everything juggling in the air. I worked three jobs because my husband at the time he had the chemo and radiation. Yep. So I was working for the Fortune 500 company. I started teaching fitness in the gym. Then I went and got a nighttime, another full-time night job at Sam Adams Beer Company at night because I was going to keep my family afloat. No matter what was going to happen, we wasn't going to lose our house. My kids was going to stay in their sports. I was going to keep this train on the tracks no matter what that meant for me. Working three jobs, you're trying, 
You're keeping the train going, as you said, keeping the ball rolling. You have the little ones who are going into their own withdrawals, as you said, in their own ways. And with your and then your husband dealing with his medical issue. Yes, you were moving like Superwoman. But mm-hmm. when did Superwoman finally slam into the building, slam to the ground, and then realize, oh, crap, the S on my chest is gone. She got into a relationship. She decided she was going to end her marriage, got into a relationship outside of the marriage, got divorced, moved out of the beautiful big home into a town home, same town, moved into um, a town home and was involved with this this new person. And everything she thought she needed and wanted turned out to be a, a nightmare. And so the person I got involved with ended up, you know, cheating and whatever. And when everything came to a head with that, this is how this is how crazy it is. Everything came to a head with that. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. Everything came tumbling because I hadn't stopped up until that point. I was just moving and moving and moving and moving, making decisions and moving, making decisions and moving. I hadn't stopped to that point. That took me out. And when I say took me out, it took me out. Like I rem- I was in my bedroom. There was a couple of things that I did. I called my daughters in the room first. And I said to them, your mom is really sad right now. She's, you know, going through some things. She made some decisions. I said, but I want you to see me right now because I want you to know that although right now I'm sad and I'm heartbroken, that this is temporary and these things are going to happen in life. But I want you just to watch me. And they left out the room and I called my youngest son in the room because my oldest wasn't living at the, the other, older two were living at home. And I said, I want you to, same thing I told them, but a little bit different because he was younger than them. And because I wanted my kids to know that they're going to experience hurt and pains in their life. And that is okay to show emotion because I hadn't shown any before. Mm. I hadn't shown an ounce mm. before. I had never even really cried before. They never That's- seen anything from me, but discipline, hard work, willpower in just this base of a woman right? but not even but not even at your son's funeral and burial you didn't show that much emotion it wasn't into because listen the you know when i cried at his funeral before then in my mind i didn't have the luxury of of really crying I needed to get my family through this. I had said, devil, you may have taken my son, but you will not take my family. And so for me, that meant zip up, Mm. listen, buckle up, because what he's not going to do, he's not going to take them. And I'm telling you, I put on the armor, and I don't want to say like God, because I wasn't like really into God like that then. I mean, I had a foundation. But when I tell you, I put on the armor, like you ain't going to take my family by any righteous means necessary. I ain't have time to cry because I was going to make sure that they were okay. And so even from the funeral planning to the casket, to the meeting with the pastor, everything, it wasn't until we got to the actual funeral. So it's funny, my husband, my ex-husband at the time, he cried every single day, every single day going to the funeral, every single day he cried, he cried, he cried. We didn't even let him go to the funeral home to do like the, the cat, like the look at my son before mm-hmm. the, the services, yeah. because I, we just knew that was going to take him out. He cried and cried and cried. We get to the funeral, we switch places. He's stoic and I'm a hot mess. Mm. And so it was like, I did cry that day, but 
other than that, I wouldn't allow them to see me if I had an emotion. I'm a mother. I go in the shower and cry. You don't put that on your children. That's what I felt at the time. They don't need my sorrow. They don't need my sadness. They need to see me strong and they need to keep going. And so that's what I did. I would go in. If I needed to cry, it would be in the shower or in my car, but it would never be in front of them. No. So Mo, you tell the youngest one, the little one, Mm-hmm. About hey how mommy is feeling mm-hmm. And now Tarnisha says has now become Vulnerable The S is <sighs> off her chest and she's now vulnerable mm-hmm. Mo What's this like At this moment now Therapy is My best friend And I pray that it could be somebody else's It turned into Jesus plus therapy for me I knew of a therapist I went to her before prior And when I made that decision to do that with my children, that was the day I also made the decision I was going to therapy. She was like an hour and a half away from where I lived. I didn't care. She's a black therapist. That was important for me. And this woman, I promise you, saved me on so many levels because I didn't even understand why I was acting out the way I was. I didn't understand why I was seeing another man and wasn't completely out of my marriage. I didn't understand why I wasn't crying before then. I didn't understand why I still didn't trust anyone. I didn't understand why I didn't trust women. I had no idea why I was feeling the way I was feeling even about my parents, even about my mother, because they did so, they did a lot of great things, but I couldn't see it. It was as if these, these rose-colored glasses I had on was blocking the view of a lot of beautiful things in my life. In therapy, it like helped me connect the dots to me. And I was like, oh my God, all this time I was acting out because of this one is I had it's so crazy that I didn't forget about being touched but I have stuffed that down so far deep that I didn't think that that could be connected to everything in my life and when she helped me connect the dots I was like oh my god this man touched me at 13 and he was still running my life and I'm almost 40 he was still running my life that unforgiveness that sits in there because it's not it wasn't the forgiveness wasn't about him it was about me I was still living in the prison I was still the 13 year old girl fighting for her life it changed oh my god therapy I, I swear to you this is why I shouted from the rooftops everyone needs to go and I know people like I don't need no therapy let me tell you something it changed the emotional intelligence, I start to understand what emotions and feelings I I didn't understand that this rage was really me being hurt, really me being sad, really me be feeling unloved and unwanted and that I'm not enough. I had no idea. That breakdown was my breakthrough. I'm so thankful to that man. A lot of people think, well, you know, he did some horrible things or whatever. I'm not talking about my, my ex-husband, I'm talking about mm-hmm. the guy I saw after him. I so, I'm so thankful to that man. Because that allowed me to see myself. And when I say see myself, and I want to be clear, I love myself enough to understand the every part that I played in all that stuff that happened. You meet you. Yes. You meet you. Yeah. Now Mo took off the cape, took off the helmet. She took off the warning's badge and everything. What was it like to meet Tarnisha Mo Sass for the first time? 
in the beginning very scary because for the first time in a long time I was unsure I had always had anger and stuff to hold on to right, right. so when all that's gone it's like oh who are you really and I was just like I don't really know but I know what I want to become and that set me on a voyage of personal development a voyage of getting into programs to learn about emotional intelligence to learn what it is to become the best version of yourself and to understand that you don't have to be in survival mode all your life mm. that you can actually wake up and ask yourself how do you want to feel today and you can actually seek out to feel that way i didn't even know that was an option i didn't even know i could even enter the equation i hated the way i looked how i felt so now it's like wow you can change you can become whoever you really want to become it's possible it's so freeing it is so freeing to know that you are not your past mistakes that you are not anything that anybody ever said about you even what you thought about yourself it is so freeing to know that you can become anything you desire all you have to do is decide and i used to think it was deep because i come from a place where everybody who was somebody was talking deep and everything had to be deep and when i realized when i got the foundation of jesus and therapy that is so simple it's just a decision it's just a, it's just you deciding when theologians said that when jesus talk and he spoke he gave direction and he spoke as if he was speaking to three to five years old three to five year olds and it's like well why did he do that because he wanted to make it simple so why in the world do i think it's supposed to be complex because of what i was told and what i was taught but that wasn't that may not be the truth so now it's like getting to that point it was like yo i feel free i had to unlearn and relearn sure that was hard it was really, really hard on me. When you start to love yourself, I want to I make this clear because everybody talk about this unicorn rainbow stuff, loving yourself. Oh, I'm going to take a shower. Oh, I'm going to shopping. No, loving yourself means I love myself enough to face the demons that, listen, that happened to me and also the ones I created. Mm. Mm. The ones I created. To understand, real talk, right? So not only where I was a, where I was a victim, but where I victimized. That's the truth. See, you got like you if you really want to do this thing, you got to get to the truth. And it was freeing, yes. But that mirror that was standing before me, oh, that was hard. Yes, my parents, but I also did some horrible things. Said some horrible things. Yes, my exes, but I also did some horrible things. And said some horrible things. My children, I had to apologize and do the very thing to with them that I always wanted, validate their feelings. Now, sometimes the, the, I hear things that, just to be real, like I don't remember, but I don't get to tell them that wasn't a true experience for them because I had to own my actions. I had to own my thought patterns. I had to own my movements. Because at times I tried to act like I was right, but I was moving wrong. That's self-love. You love yourself enough to look into the mirror to really understand the lessons that you learned along the way, because that's what I was doing. Okay, this is a lesson. I'm not gonna hang, I'm not gonna beat myself up with it now. And I ain't gonna allow nobody else to beat me up with it either. These are the lessons. I got it now. Thank you, Jesus. I got it now. 
and it's so crazy that when that happened, it was as if the blinders came off. Now I see, I could see things and hear things that I never saw and heard before. It was as if language became clear to me that I didn't think existed before. And I know that sounds strange, but when I was in my fishbowl, I don't even think I could see all the possibilities that that now was like my eyes were open to, right? I could become a speaker. I could become a coach. I can become an author. Me? I'm just a little black girl from Plainfield. Wow. Yeah, that's freeing. That's, Come yes. out, wake up one day, mm-hmm. your eyes are open, mm-hmm. and you feel a different person. You feel different. What does mm-hmm. this feel like when you wake up? And even till now, when you mm-hmm. wake up, that Tarnisha Sass is... Tarnisha sass not Tarnisha angry sass not Tarnisha I'm pissed sass not Tarnisha I wish you would sass but I mean you're still there still there still there, still there somewhere you know what I'm saying it's still there somewhere but when you wake up and you open your eyes and you see the world with a different lens than you'd had before what is this like? It's a blessing. Like I feel, I, and I try. I'm, so I'm trying to find the words to describe it. I just feel like it feels. It just feels. It feels pe- like peace and blessings. Like I wake up in the morning and I feel blessed that God is going to use me to help somebody today. Me. When I say me, y'all, we high, We we went. We get y'all a highlight reel of my story. But when I tell you me, like. I wake up feeling at peace. I said yes. So that so when you talk about the glasses coming off and I get to see, it was when I said my complete yes to God. I am going to walk this walk, this walk of purpose. I wake up in peace. I wake up feeling blessed. And not blessed because of what I have, but blessed because of what I'm going to do. See, there's a difference, y'all. It's, it's what I'm going to do. And it's not necessarily what I'm going to do for me, but what I'm going to do despite of. <laughs> What I'm going to do despite of everything that that I was and some to go some degree still am. I'm never going to be perfect. But every morning I get up, y'all, it's like, girl, you did that. You did that. Two sons, divorce, some 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 physical and mental violence in the, in the midst of some things with other men. You did that. Everything that he could have thought of to come against you and you stood your ground. I will always say, and I've said this since I was young, my mother used to hate it, but it stuck with me. You will not break me. And I wake up in the morning and I'm like, nah, I may have bent a little bit. I may have bent all up and down, never broken. And I wake up with that peace every single day. Yes. So Anisha, as you're in what you call the new Testament of your life. Yes. The new Testament. Tarnisha Mosas, why do you keep your towel? I keep my towel because I understand why I'm here and what my purpose is. I understand that when God says the sheep shall know my voice, that there are a group and a set of individuals that because I am going to speak, they are going to be set free in some sort of way. I believe that my obedience is someone else's lifeline. So I will not stop and I will never throw in my towel until the day they put me under because my mission is so much bigger 
than any man or anything truthfully in this world. Well, folks, there you have it. Man, she just went deep, and she said she keep it simple, but then she want to go deep. I'm telling you, boy, <laughs> Tarnisha, you know what? I'm about to cut you off. Anyway, and before we leave this ring, Tarnisha, if there's any last words that you got, my girl, the ring is yours. Just simply that I pray that anything that I said today will help anyone. This is just a seed, and I hope that if this seed strikes you, that you water it and don't ever be afraid to go get the help that you need to become the best version of yourself. And thank you so much for having me. This was by far the best, the best show I've ever been on. I appreciate you. Of course, my girl, of course. But and as we pop out, Tarnisha, I know you got some products, websites and everything. My girl, where can the people reach you? Yes, so my website, www.mosass.com, M-O-E-S-A-S-S.com. Check out my website. I have two new programs coming out. My community is 1% Nation, and 1% Nation, we do what the 99% won't do, so we can have what the 99% won't ever have, okay? Okay. (laughs) And I also have a program called Heart Sync, and this is for um, women, particularly middle-aged women who are killing it on their in their jobs or on their businesses, but not necessarily killing it within their heart space, within their home, whether you're just going through a breakup, a divorce, or just feel lost in their relationship. Join HeartSync. We're going to help you reconnect to your heart so that you can have the life you desire in your home as well as in your workspace. Or if you just want to email me, info at mosas.com. I am also on Facebook as well as Instagram, and you can find me under Mosaz. So that's how you get to me. Yeah, y'all. So don't worry about it. I'm going to make sure I put all that in the description box so you'll be able to go and catch up with her and see what's going on with her. And y'all, as I said earlier, there's something you're not going to believe. So me and this lady, we was part of this coaching program. And while we was in there, never met her. We did a, a beginning of the year event and never met. But man, we were just vibing so quick. I'm right away because from the both in the same area tri-state area so right there was one and then for the very first time we met at a mutual friends party and i'm looking i'm like oh my god this is her so y'all while we sitting there we talking we ended up having a, like a 15 minute deep session right there and i'm like this beautiful lady having a, a deep session with me and trying to get all in coaching mode and preach mode and all these modes all in one. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, this was a long time coming. I said definitely. And I was so grateful to meet you, Mo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, y'all, there you have it. And Miss Sass, you have survived Boogie's Gym. And this round, this session is officially over. Yeah, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. And like I always tell you, wipe the blood, wipe the sweat, wipe the tears. But whatever you do, don't throw in your towel. This is your man and Boogie. I'll check you when I check it. I'll see you when I see you. We are out of here. Peace out. <laughs>